Hey guys, I don't know what it is about the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's because of everything that I've been through. Uh, but it seems like all the stories I'm bringing you are these tearjerker, emotional, reach down to the depths of your soul and just make you realize that you're happy to be here, be alive, and make you just think how lucky you are um, to be around. Uh, I know I feel that way. And I know, you know, with Trina's story that we did, I've already had people reaching out saying, my God, I, I broke down crying just listening to the story, uh, much the same way that I did listening to the story. And I'm not expecting any less today because this is a story that I've been meaning to bring you guys since uh, last November. We had the privilege, Tracy and I, at CryptidCon to run into a young lady and her husband, Anna Jones. And in the midst of just regular chit-chat that goes on at these conventions, we found out uh, that Anna has an amazing story. One of the most amazing stories that I've ever heard in my entire life. And trust me, you know, over seven years, I've heard a lot of stories. But Anna's was very emotional. And we asked her, would she come on the show and tell this story? And for whatever reason, um, I just reached out to her to actually do this this past week. And uh, I'm excited to have her on. Anna, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Anna, your story. I, I, I say this because this is what you guys told us. Your story, I think, is one of those cases where um, something intervened. Uh, you guys believe it's angels. I'm not saying it's not angels because it sounds like a, a typical case where angels come in and play their part. And uh, I'm not going to give your story away, but I'm just going to say it's absolutely amazing. And uh, I can't wait for the listeners to hear you tell your story, uh, because like I said, it's uh, it's it's a roller coaster. There's ups, downs. You're going to cry. There's going to be people out there shedding tears over this story. And I sure as hell can't blame you because uh, uh, I believe Tracy and I both teared up when you told us it uh, at CryptidCon. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you tell this amazing story. All right. Thank you. I guess I need to start back when it was the end very end of we were going into april and i get depressed during the winter time i hate being stuck inside and this particular weekend in early april it was very pretty sunshine our children were six years old and 10 months old and i just wanted to get out of the house and go for a sunday afternoon drive we were interested in a lake lot down at Harrington Lake. Uh, we had dreams of building a log cabin type home right on the lake. So that's what we decided to do. We packed up the kids, hopped in the car. Uh, it was beautiful. I think it was in the low 70s that day. It was the first weekend that we peaked at that temperature. So I was ready to get out. So we headed down to Harrington Lake, looked at the lake lots, and picked one out. Um, we had actually had financing in place to be able to do this. Uh, 
And on the way home, it was on US 27 in Jessamine County. And this was before they put in the new bypass. This was the old country road. So we were on a two lane road. There were no emergency lanes and it was close to the Camp Dick fire station. If anybody knows where that is. I was 24 years old and perfectly healthy. The only time I'd ever been in the hospital was to give birth to my children. So we're driving back home and I looked at my husband, Kevin, and I said, let's stop by Kroger's and get some stuff to grill out. Let's finish off this beautiful day with grilling out tonight. He said, okay. And about that time I heard him yell, hold on. And I turned to look and coming straight at me, all I could see was the words Corolla on the front grill of a car that was coming straight at us completely in our lane. And like I said, we had no emergency lanes. There were cars behind that Corolla, so we couldn't swerve to miss her. There were actually rock walls on each side, so we couldn't even hit a grassy area to avoid this. They hit us head on. It was, I think what they call a corner to corner, head on impact to where the driver's side of their car hit the passenger side of our car. And I was in the passenger side. I was not wearing a seatbelt. And I remember my next lucid moment was hearing my kids cry. And I was still of the frame of mind enough to realize that we'd been in a bad car accident. But I didn't feel any pain and I heard my kids crying. And that was the main thing to me. They were alive. I could hear them crying. And my husband tried to reach down to pull my seat back. And the dash was in so far on me that he couldn't get his hand down there to move my seat back. The dash came in so far on his side that the radio cut his stomach. Ugh. And about that time, I don't remember a whole lot after that. I, re I do remember the smells, the burning rubber, the smell of antifreeze. Um, I, I remember all of that. And then the next thing I remember is someone saying, sir, can you move so we can get to her? And it, the paramedics were there. And almost like a tiny miracle, the accident had happened right there at the Camp Dick fire station. So people that volunteered there, because it was a Sunday afternoon, lived close. So they were minutes away and got there within minutes. And I remember them cutting on the car. They used the jaws of life. It took them 30 minutes to cut what they could of the car off of me. Then they had to take logging chains and tie it around the dash to pull it up off of me. And I remember my husband telling me that the paramedics told him that I had three minutes left to live at the scene if they had not gotten to me because I was bleeding out so bad. The people in the other car, and I, I don't want to get too graphic because I don't want to upset anyone, but it was an older couple and a woman was driving. Um, her husband was in the passenger seat 
and it did send him through the windshield. My oldest daughter at the time, who was six, she had to witness all of this. She told me later on, she said, Mama, when they pulled you out of the car, you were all bloody and your legs were going the wrong way. And she had to see what had happened to the older gentleman that had come through the windshield of the other car. Uh, once they got me out of the car, uh, anybody that's been in a car accident and they've been hurt know that they put a neck brace on you and they put you on a flat board so that it limits your movements so that you don't cause any more damage to yourself. And that's what they did with me. So once they put me on um, the board and had me in the neck brace and they, there was a discussion because there was just one life flight available and they didn't know if they wanted to put me on the life flight because I was bleeding to death or if they wanted to put the older gentleman on because he had horrific head trauma and they ended up taking him on the only life flight that was available at the time. So they did put me in the ambulance. I do not remember being loaded up. Um, and that's where things went very interesting. Um, while I was in the ambulance, I can remember lying on the board. I was still, um, a little bit lucid at that time. I remember the sirens, the sound of the sirens and the rocking back and forth of the ambulance. And then all of a sudden I was looking down at myself and I was laying flat and the paramedics were in a rush. They had a curved pair of scissors. They cut my tennis shoes off of me and then they went to cut my pants off of me. And I guess that's what they do if you're uh, swelling really bad and they need to get to your injuries to stop bleeding. I remember watching that, but from above. I remember uh, watching them take my wedding rings off of me. When you're on a, on a backboard like that, you're not gonna be able to see any of that. And I felt a complete sense of peace, complete peace. I felt just like myself, but I was wondering why they were rushing so much because everything was gonna be perfectly fine. I just knew it was going to, everything was fine. And I watched for a little while as they worked on me. And then I was back in my body and hearing that ambulance rock or feeling it rock and hearing the sirens again. The next thing I remember was waking up in the emergency room at UK in Lexington and it had been a while, it had been a few hours because after the accident, they took my husband and my two kids to Garrett County Memorial, I think it was. So we were in two different areas and my husband had no idea if I was alive or dead. And he had to call his brother in Versailles to come to Garrett County to pick him up to get him to Lexington. He called my parents and my mom and dad made it to the hospital 
They sequestered my family in a private room when they got to UK. They brought in a hospital chaplain and a hospital psychologist to sit with my family to prepare them for my death. Told them that they, it was very unlikely that I would survive this. I was crushed from the waist down. I had severed a femoral artery in my right thigh. And if I did happen to live, they did not expect me to ever walk again because the injuries were so extensive. I didn't have any, uh, I did have a small head injury, but it was uh, a slight brain bleed. But they said that was probably from just the jolt because the lady that was driving, she was doing 60 and she never even hit her brakes. My husband did see her coming, so he did slam on our brakes, but it didn't matter. It really just didn't matter. So they took me in for a 10-hour emergency surgery. I woke up in the middle of that surgery. I remember waking up and seeing the bright lights of the emergency room, I, I mean the surgery room, and the masks on the surgeons and the anesthesiologist. <clears throat> and they just kind of touched me and nodded their heads. And then I was back out with that Probably a few seconds that I was awake, I could feel them working on my right leg and it felt like hot lava fire, whatever they were doing at the time. After I came out of my um, 10 hour surgery, I was in the ICU for three days. And then they put me on the fifth floor trauma unit. And I was there for, at UK, there for a month in the trauma unit. I was on a feeding tube for a week. Uh, I had two more surgeries during that month, um, both on my right ankle because it was crushed to cornflakes. So they had to suck those bone fragments out and take bone from my right hip and put back into my ankle because I had lost so much bone out of my ankle. Um, my left femur was crushed the majority of it was crushed into my knee joint and they repaired that with three metal plates and over 32 screws. Um, with my ankle, they did put in an external fixator, which I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but they are large screws that they put into the bone, but it extends on the outside of your body. So I had four screws that came out of my leg and there was a, a piece connected to that to keep my ankle completely still while it healed with that bone graft in it, hoping that the bone graft would take. So both of those surgeries on my ankle at UK were two four hour surgeries. The day that they released me to go home, they put me on a stretcher and in an ambulance to leave the hospital. And I actually never saw my home again not that home that we lived in at that time because I was unable to do anything. I was completely bedridden and they took me to my mom and dad's house and I stayed in a hospital bed in their living room for six months, totally bedridden, totally dependent, unable to take care of either one of my children. And my parents did that. My brother helped and my husband. 
while I recovered. And the entire six months, there was still a question as if I would walk again. They needed to make sure that I healed, that all and my pelvic was broken in four different places. Um, they did have to do go in to my stomach and I split my spleen. They didn't have to take it. They just repaired it. But so much blood pulled in my abdomen that they had to go in and basically take out a lot of my intestines to check for bleeds in my intestines. But it, the bleeding was actually coming from the pelvic breaks. And from what I understand, when you have pelvic breaks and crushed bones the way I did, you bleed very quickly and profu profusely from crushed bones. And not to mention the femoral artery that was severed, they had to repair that as well. So once I got to my uh, mom and dad's house, um, completely bedridden, my mom would bring my kids in to see me. My six-year-old was completely traumatized by this whole event. She had nightmares for two weeks after the car accident, every night, just terrible nightmares. She refused to come to the hospital to see me because she was so scared she was going to see me in the condition that she saw me when they took me out of the car. Um, once I got home and she was able to see that I was okay, she would come in and sit with me on occasion, but it, she was still traumatized. It was very hard for her. And one day she came in and was sitting with me. And I do believe in God. I do believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe he died on the cross for our sins. And I was trying to relate to my very impressionable young daughter that I did not blame God for this happening. Bad things happen to people all the time. And as I was explaining this to her, she looked at me with her little six-year-old face. And she said, Mama, I know because I saw the angel move in front of you when the car hit us. And I was kind of taken aback, even though I was trying to make an impression on her and try to make her feel better about what had happened to us as an entire family because it had affected all of us. And it was going to change our lives for the rest of our lives. And I kept asking her questions about what did it look like? And she would tell me that it was in white robes and it had long blonde hair. And every time I'd ask a question, I referred to it as she. And I think in our culture, like when we see the little angel figurines and things like that, they're, they're mostly you know, female mm -hmm. feminine like, and she had to stop me. And she said, uh, no, mommy, it was a he angel. And that's one of the few times that I'd heard anybody mention about a he angel. And that's the way she described it. And she had to correct me two or three times. And that's what she called it. She said it was a he angel. 
and it moved in front of you. I had no scratches on my face. I had no broken ribs as far as that dash came in on me and all of the glass that was breaking around me. I didn't hardly have any upper body injuries at all. And I think that is amazing. After six months, um, I had the external fixator in my leg from April of that year until September. In September, they took the external fixator out and I was wide awake when they did that. I was terrified. <laughs> they, yeah, just set, they just set me up on a table and took the took them right out of my bone. It didn't hurt near as bad as I expected it to, but that that was scary. And then they put me in a cast. So I was in a cast for three months after the external fixator. And once I was in my cast, I was able to start standing, but I could only sit on the side of the bed with my legs hanging down. And I can't explain the pain of doing something as simple as taking my legs and setting them over the side of the bed because I had been bedridden for so long that it changes your blood flow a little bit when you are bedridden for that long. So when I had to do a therapy just to learn for my body to relearn the way the blood would flow through it. And it felt like I was putting my legs in vats of lava. It burned so bad when I would do that. And I can remember my dad watching his clock and 60 seconds, just do it for 60 seconds and I'd be in tears. Um, but I did it. I did everything I was supposed to do. And after six months, I was able to start standing. And luckily, not, not luck. I don't want to call it luck. I think it was a blessing with the amount of injuries that I had. And for me to be able to, number one, live through that. And number two, for me to walk again. That's a, that's a blessing. That was a miracle. Even my doctors would tell me that it was a miracle. We had a radiologist um, that would come in and he wasn't my radiologist, but he knew my family. And he came and told me himself, he says, I've seen your x-rays and I don't know how you're walking again. So it was a, a year. It took me a year to finally be able to walk without any type of assisted device, but I did it. A year later, when they did not think I would walk again, I'm walking. I was 25 and now I am 52. <laughs> I was able to raise my kids and every step is painful. It limited my life greatly as far as mobility, but it was a miracle in my life that I will never forget. It did change all of our lives. Um, my 10 month old, of course, she's not going to remember any of that. But the uh, night that the, uh, the day that the accident happened, 
she was still breastfeeding and my mother had to walk her for 12 hours because she just screamed after the accident that night. And my youngest daughter has grown up with me knowing that I have mobility limitations. But my six-year-old, as we grew up, it was hard for her because I used to go roller skating with them. I used to be able to run and uh, play with them. And I, those were things I was never able to do again. But the important thing was that I, I'm here and with them and I was able to raise them. And my story is in a couple of different books. And I have a picture of my car, if you want to see that. It's, I, I'm not in the car, but I do have a picture, which, do you want to see that? Yeah, they won't be able to see it right now, but if you can send it to me, I'll, when I post it, I'll be able to post it for people because I know we saw it that day and I, I, I don't see how anybody, anybody walked out from that accident. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes, it's half a car. My side is just completely crushed in. And it's, it has truly affected my life in every single way. And I know some people say, don't let things like that define you. But I think that's hard to not let certain things define you when it completely changes your life. You don't have to let it be a negative definition of your life. And that's what I chose. I did not let it become a negative definition in my life. I allowed it to be something positive because I lived it. I lived through it and I was able to overcome a lot of things and I'm pretty hard headed myself. <laughs> <laughs> this my husband will attest to. <laughs> But uh, my story ended up in um, one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. It was called Angels Among Us, um, 101 Inspirational Stories of Miracles, Faith, and Answered Prayers. I'm story 100. And uh, it's also in the book Appalachian Angels. Um, that's a really interesting book because it's all people from the Appalachian region that have had uh, and it didn't necessarily have to be angels, but miracles in life and uh, different things like that was very interesting. Three years after my car accident, I was continuing to have surgeries because this was going to be a lifelong thing for me. And on July 17th of 1998, as I'm still basically recovering because I had just had a surgery, my husband's family was in a car accident on Versailles Road by the castle. There were five of them in the car. Someone deliberately ran a red light and T-boned them as they were making a left turn on De Pisgah to go up beside the castle. It killed his mother, his sister, his sister-in-law and 11 year old niece. His youngest sister was the only one that survived that accident. And it put her in a coma at UK for quite a few weeks. 
She did survive, but she was uh, she was adopted by my husband's um, mom and dad at birth, and she was born um, handicapped. So she had a shunt in her head, and that is it drains the fluid off of your brain if you're unable to do it. So she had one of those from the time she was born. And miraculously, that is what saved her in that car accident because she had head trauma and it drained the fluid off of her brain enough that it didn't kill her on impact. So we had to endure that three years after my car accident. I walked into the funeral home with a booty on my foot from where I just had surgery on my foot from my car accident. And we had to walk into a funeral home with four caskets with four loved ones all in the same dress and say goodbye. And I will have to say everything that I went through in my car accident, that was harder to do was to go in and say goodbye to those people because they were um, a very large part of our lives. We would go and stay with them every weekend. That's how close we were. So after that happened, I was still continuing to have surgeries, trying to build our life back up. We were all grieving. Um, and my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. And then two months after my father was diagnosed with lung cancer, my husband's father died of a massive heart attack. And it left the daughter, my husband's sister that survived the car accident without any parents. And I was the one that ended up becoming her caregiver, even though I was still enduring my own surgeries. I took her in and cared for her. I think she was 30 years old. So she was a handicapped adult and um, I had to be her caregiver as well. And then 11 months later, my dad passed from lung cancer. So it was a nonstop barrage of losing people in our family and having to continue to overcome and be strong and lean on our faith. And at times that was hard, but we did it. And I'm here as a, a living testimony that miracles do happen. And sometimes we don't have the answers for everything. Um, but I'm very blessed to be able to be here and to tell people my story and to continue to walk for as long as I can. I have been told that I may end up in a wheelchair as I get older, but um, I'm gonna try to avoid that for as long as I can. <laughs> as of now, I need both of my knees replaced. I need my ankle fused because there's nothing more they can do for my ankle. And there's a possibility that I may need a hip replacement because where my ankle was crushed, I'm missing about a half inch of bone on that side. So it's a little bit shorter. I do have an insert in my shoe that helps me walk. 
but every day is painful. And with every step, it's a reminder of what happened. Um, I do have some fear every time I get in a car, but I can't let that stop me. I, I have to live my life. And now I'm taking care of my 83 year old mother that just fell and broke a hip. <laughs> so Goodness. yeah, I've, I've been doing that. Um, as well as taking care of my 18 month old granddaughter. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of meant for me to be here to be a caregiver because that seems what I've done a lot of my life. Well, Anna, you and your husband are absolutely beautiful people and you are a true inspiration, truly courageous. Uh, you don't give up. You refuse to lose. And I think that's why you're, why you're in the situation you're in today. And I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that story because I'm sure there are plenty of people that are going to get some inspiration to push a little harder in their everyday life when, when things um, kind of besiege them uh, to just keep, keep going forward. And, and I think stories like yours help tremendously for, for people to realize, you know, I, I can push a little harder if I need to. Yes. And that's what I hope too, because it's a living testimony for other people. And I hope that it does for somebody, even if it's just one person, a lot of people will say that if I help just one person and that's the truth of it. If it gives one person enough strength to carry on until they're able to reach their goals or to get through one of the hardest times in their life, then it was worth it. And it, it was a, a hard, hard time. It was such a struggle to sit in that hospital bed and not be able to do anything and be in the kind of pain that I was in and not knowing if I would walk again and not be able to do the things with my kids that other people get to do and live the healthy life that I once had. But I did pretty good. Uh, just being hard-headed is one, one part of it. Uh, you, you gotta believe in yourself um, and you have to take time to heal. You can't push it faster than your body is wanting to go, or you could harm yourself and give yourself some setbacks. That was something that I had to learn. I have a lot of patience now. Going through that made me have a lot of patience. <laughs> but you've definitely said some things that I needed to hear for myself. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I'm glad. Um, I hope that some of the things that I was able to share with you is uplifting for you and for anybody else that needs to hear it. I don't think we hear enough stories these days to help uplift people. There's just so many things going wrong and, and uh, hard things happening in the world. And sometimes I think we can forget that we can overcome. Absolutely. Anna, thank you so much for coming on with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. I think uh, when when all said and done and things are a little bit calmed down, I think uh, Tracy and I would love to come up and take you and your husband to dinner sometime. Oh, wow. That, that would be amazing. I, I would love that. I'd love to spend time with you guys. 
Well, we will definitely make that happen. And that's a promise. Okay. That's wonderful. I'd love that. 